Welcome to the Axiom Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Lonergan, and today I am joined by Joey Brennan, and we are going to be talking about creating and executing quarterly priorities. Before we dive straight into this topic, I'd like for us to give a brief breakdown of what these are, how they're different from regular tasks that have to happen, and why we use them in the context of quarters. Take it away, Joey. Wow, that's a mouthful. So you want me to tackle all that at once? Yes. All right, can you, well, let's break it up. <laughs> I don't think I have an answer that is that as sophisticated as your question was. But um, so what are quarterly priorities? So these are basically deciding what is the big thing you're going to tackle over the next 90 days. And this is not a new idea. This shows up in a lot of places. There's a lot of small business uh, growth literature, strategic planning literature um, that talks about this. Probably the two that jumped to mind, but there's three actually. Vern Harnish addresses this in Mastering the Rockefeller Habits, which is kind of the, one of the earlier books on small business strategic planning. Um, more popular resource is Gina Wickman, uh, his book Traction. He talks about big rocks, which is kind of... It, it, it kind of gets to the same idea. I don't think it's as well executed. Probably the best treatment of this um, as a as a discipline is a book by I think it's Jim Dore or John Dore. Measure what matters. I and have it's basically heard of that one. Uh, the OKR method. OKR stands for objectives and key results. Mm-hmm. And in that book, measure what matters. It basically is the strategic planning framework. Like that's all that they do. And there's, there's not a lot of talk about vision or values or strategy. It's just, you know, what are the 90 day priorities? And it, it's very well geared and it's very popular in the tech industry where things are moving very fast paced, especially in tech publicly traded companies that tend to live and breathe and die by the quarter. Um, and they're more focused on project-based type things. So engineering projects, creative projects, editorial projects, that kind of stuff. So uh, we like quarterly priorities because one, they're, they're a good method of stepping back and doing planning, not from like 50,000 feet like you would with vision or 30,000 feet like you would with strategy, but maybe like 10,000 or 5,000 feet. What can I actually accomplish in the next 90 days? And the shorter our horizon for setting deadlines, the more accurately we predict. Like I can't tell you exactly what I'm going to be doing 90 days from now, but I can tell you with a fair amount of certainty what I'm going to be doing tomorrow. And the same project or the same concept holds for planning. So I... I could make a plan for the next year. I can set goals for the next year. I can plan to pursue a strategy for the next two to three years, but I'm got a lot more certainty around planning what the next 13 weeks looks like. So that's where they fit uh, in Axiom. They are not the, in our framework, they're not the um, strategic planning framework. They're a piece of the strategic planning framework. And what I mean by that is, our 90-day priorities serve whatever the one-year objective is. So we start by saying, what is our one-year goal? You know, our, our big, hair audacious goal for the year, or wildly important goal is another term that I think was created in four disciplines of execution, uh, started to coin that term. But what is the one big thing we're trying to accomplish for the year? And what should we be trying to accomplish over the next 90 days that gets us closer to that thing? So obviously, if that's the method that you're using, the urgency is going to build the farther you get into the year. Quarter one, it's like, okay, what do I need to get, do to get off to a good start? Quarter two is like, if I got off track, what do I have to do to get back on track? Because you know, by the end of this quarter, the year's going to be halfway over. Quarter three 
is like, we should be honing in on this thing. We might be a little bit behind, but we're gaining some momentum. And quarter four is like, if we're off track, it's too late to catch up. We really need to be kind of in the final stages. So um, that's essentially what quarterly priorities are. They're different from regular tasks because we're not going to, the regular tasks in our framework would be something that came up during a weekly leadership team meeting. And there was an issue that we were trying to resolve maybe something out of the parking lot, maybe it's something that's coming up more recently. And we're trying to solve that issue. And ultimately, we, after gaining some insight into what's actually happening, we decide to take some action. And that action leads to to-dos, so commitments. So you say, okay, I understand, like one of the things that we've been working on here at Axiom is some of our marketing uh, disciplines, like the, the system that our marketing content revolves around inside. And so... You, we discussed that there's insight and because you're the one spearheading a lot of that, you say, okay, so here's what I'm going to be responsible for yeah. for the next couple of weeks. And that's just a regular task. Priorities are different. You're going to have things that are on your priority list that are in addition to that. So they're not, they're, they kind of rise above the whirlwind of day-to-day -day activity. Yeah. I think Was that... Was that a sufficient answer to your wonderful question? <laughs> I think you did a great job. Oh, thanks. I appreciate uh, that. It was a really big question to ask. I think the reason that I wanted to ask that is because I've gotten this question before is why do we do 90 day priorities versus just like, hey, you have to throw this on the calendar. Just you know that you, you, you have to do it. Um, and I think it's interesting in the corporate world. It's so like easy to remember, like 90 day priorities, you go on 90 day sprints and small business world, like 90 day calendars. Um, there's a, the focus planner, I think mm -hmm. it's called that you literally get a new one every 90 days mm -hmm. because that's so well known to do these 90 day sprints because it, um, there's actually some science behind it, I believe of, how your brain works best instead of having to focus on this giant calendar that is 12 months long, you can put it into three month little sections and you'll be actually be able to focus on these things. Yeah. I think one of the reasons that it does work well in practice and it's not easy, I mean, we'll get into some of the kind of pitfalls I'm sure later, but one of the things that, that I think it does well is it strikes a balance between the need for forward-looking planning, like there's real value in you sitting down and deciding what should I be focused on? That's a different question than the day-to-day -day question of what do I have to focus on? Mm -hmm. So to be able to, to spend a couple hours, a half day or a couple of half days once a quarter to say, what should I be focused on for the next 13 weeks? There's definite, I think everybody recognizes there's, there's value in that. But when you limit yourself to 13 weeks, I can pretty much, if I'm, if I work hard enough at it, I can say, okay, what's the big thing I want to focus on completing over the next 13 weeks. And then I can almost sit down with my calendar and go, well, what part should get done each week so that I stay on track? And so you're able to think far enough into the future to do something meaningful, but it's not so far out that I can't set good expectations for what are the things that I need to be accomplishing along the way in order for this thing to work out. So that's, it's kind of in this middle ground between planning and execution. And I think it's, 
it's probably, I've said before, it's kind of the secret sauce for leadership teams that execute and perform much better than other leadership teams. You can have two leadership teams that are really, really good at solving issues in the business week to week, but the team that is good at setting and accomplishing 90-day priorities, if you go down the road five or six years, you'll be able to see a marked difference in those two companies. Yeah. Um, I would love to talk a little bit about Axiom's priorities and how we use them as a team. And um, this is where I get to confess how far behind I am on my priorities. Oh, it's okay. This is like true vulnerability. (laughs) If there are any clients listening, take heart from Joey's poor example. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it's for all of us, though. You know, the thing that I like to say a lot is that the cobbler's kids. Yeah. Cobblers have no shoes. Have no shoes. Like it's, it's just kind of what ends up happening because we're so focused on everybody else Mm -hmm. that we're not looking internally. And it's something that we, all of us on the team need to get better about holding each other accountable to. Um, But how do we go about setting those when we are in meetings constantly with each other, talking about all these things and um, in a perfect world, if you had the ability to just get us to hone in on these, what would you do to get us to stay accountable to these each quarter? That's a great question. I think one of the biggest things you have to do is take yourself out of the weekly rhythm. So our team meets every Monday morning and we hardly ever miss those meetings. We missed this particular week because there was a holiday on Monday and that's exceedingly rare. Like there's many, there's two holidays in the summer on Monday. There's a few others that we might observe, but by and large, we're here on a Monday. And uh, I'd say that I would give us a, a 10 out of 10 in terms of the discipline of holding our, our weekly meetings with regularity. The problem is that if you, you need a 10 out of 10 isn't always good because if every week is a weekly meeting, you're not stopping once a month to have the monthly rhythm, which is a little bit different. You're reviewing financial results, hard-edged financial results against expectations because you've closed a month and now you've got that monthly data. And then once a quarter where you've got a different rhythm where you're stepping back and looking at those priorities. So I say the first thing that you could probably do is make sure that you're not just doing tons and tons and tons of weekly meetings. That has to be broken up every third or fourth week with a monthly meeting, depending on you know how many how many weeks there are, how many Mondays, in our case, there are in a month. But then you also have to be very intentional about putting time on the calendar for that quarterly. And the thing about, the thing that we've learned working with clients is just how long these meetings take. We're not a fan of meetings. Like we make our living with meetings, so trust <laughs> us. Any, <laughs> It's not like we sit around with free time. Like, I know the Axiom team should meet. Like we hate, we don't hate. We love our clients. We love meeting with our clients, but we do not meet unnecessarily on our team. Yeah. That said, we have not done a great job of setting aside enough time for quarterly priority meetings to say, these are quarterly meetings. And one of the things we're going to do in quarterly meetings is review past priorities and set new priorities. And, uh, and I think it, it all goes back to, it's not the fact that we're not setting time to decide quarterly. It's the fact that we're letting every week be a weekly meeting. Yeah. Is this where I get to make Carrie really proud and hold you to finding a date for our quarterly meeting? I think she's already got it. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing that I think, yeah, this is, okay, man, you're consulting. You're like the Axiom in-house consultant right now. This is good. It's kind of um, fun. Yeah, isn't it? Uh, no, I, th- I think actionable out of this, we probably need to go back and say, I think we've expanded the scope of those meetings. Like, I think we've expanded the scope of 
a weekly meeting by 30 minutes to cover a monthly meeting. Give us 30 more minutes than we usually have to go over financial results. Um, and we may have done, may, I don't, I'm not sure, but may have done another 30 minutes on top of that for quarterlies. Mm -hmm. I think that's wholly insufficient. I think we probably just need to go in and say, uh, when we're having quarterly meetings, we're starting at nine and we're not going to finish until 1230, maybe even one o'clock. Maybe, maybe what we do on quarterlies is we, we go ahead and take the lunch order the day before or, the, you know, as we start that meeting, we go ahead and we order lunch and we know that everybody's going to be fed and cared for all the way through one o'clock. And we've got from nine o'clock to one o'clock to make sure we get, and that sounds, I understand business owners, this is, sounds like, are you insane? Four hours, you know, once a quarter, that's a half a day. Um, we're a small team uh, and, and I see tremendous value in that. If you're a large team, that value is not additive. It's not even multiplicative. It's probably exponential. Meaning if you're trying to cap your 10 person or 11 person leadership team to an, a two and a half hour quarterly meeting, you're probably getting nothing out of that extra 30 minutes or so that you're throwing at that, that meeting. Yeah. I mean, we can even talk about it in the context of the monthly meetings that we do with clients, the agenda eights. There are very few clients that I've been to that we actually stick to that one and a half to two hours yeah. where we go to two and a half or three hours typically because it's just hard to cover everything. Mm -hmm. If we're being asked to step into these meetings and consult with these people um, and help the leadership team grow, there's just no way. We can't do it in such a short amount of time. Yeah, and I'd say if, if you're presenting financial results... Uh, at your monthly meeting and you're not getting that kind of engagement, like some, something is amiss. You have disengaged leaders on your leadership team meeting. Because to your point, every time we trot out monthly performance numbers, everybody moves to the edge of their seat. You know, everybody's getting, you're trying to get an extra keen eye on the, on the television or the, the projector because they want to know, okay, what, and you've seen all the questions. Well, what about this? How's that factored? Is this in there? Why did, why did this number drop? I wasn't expecting that number to drop. That to me is a sign of a leadership team that's truly engaged. And why would you want to shortcut that engagement by going, oh, guys, we only set aside 30 minutes for financial discussion. We're going to move on to the next topic on the agenda because we all need to get out of here and get back to work. That is the work. That is the work of your leadership team to be engaging with monthly financials, quarterly priorities in a way. Now, monthly financials, they're usually engaging with uh, because they don't know a lot about the process behind it, like what types of entries get classified to what types of groups. And is this, was this particular client invoice, we closed a big piece of business, is that in there or not? And they don't know that. So they're engaged um, and they're in this, they're in the question asking mode. They get to ask lots of questions and it's our job or our job with whoever the controller or the CFO is in that meeting to help answer those questions and inform them. Quarterly priorities are different though. Quarterly priorities, we're the ones typically asking the questions and they're on the hot seat. And yeah. I think this is an area where quite a few teams, like the leaders on the leadership team are perfectly content to skip right over like the quarterly priorities agenda item because I don't have any really good answers for in my case, why my priorities aren't in the sheet, right? <laughs> or in some other cases, like why I haven't updated my priorities to be more relevant based on challenges they've received from us, or I haven't updated the status of my priorities week to week to show people how I'm doing, um, you know, or I'm very, very far behind and 
I'm, you know, there's no good reason for me being behind that I could discuss with the team. So I just want to get past this and, and move on. Yeah. And like we've been in, I've been in a couple quarterly meetings now and I've noticed that it is easier to talk about the issues at hand versus looking and zooming back out and saying, okay, this is what we said we wanted our goal to be this year. And this is the next step to get there. And this is how I'm going to break it up because it, it really isn't easy. Like we're saying that quarterly priorities are important, but we're not saying that they're easy. Um, it's not just like, oh, let's just whip this up on a, on a whiteboard in five minutes and you're done. <laughs> you actually have to think through it yeah. and be logical about it. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, that there's a, there's, I guess it is kind of cliche to say, but there's an art and a science to it, right? There's an art to it. Um, there's a science to it. So I would say the science to setting a good priority is, can I relate the priority that I've picked out to something that the company is pursuing? Like, and that's a, that's just being disciplined enough to go like, well, here's the thing I really want to pursue for me, but here's the thing I need to pursue for the company. And sometimes that can be a legitimate stretch. Sometimes there's more art than science in that question, because if the, the big focus for the year is driving sales, but I'm more primarily focused on operations or administration, it may be hard for me to see how my activities or my priority could contribute to sales goal for the year. Um, so, you know, but that's what we're there for. We're there to help, you know, brainstorm that, poke and prod that run the edges, help, help come up with better ideas for priorities that feed. The other science aspect of it is when I'm looking, when I'm, when I'm listing out what uh, Jim Dore calls the key results, what are the, the kind of like the major tasks or the many little projects that are going to be required to be completed in order to make that priority accomplished at the end of 90 days? Do I have enough of those? Because if I've got a 90 day priority and I've got like three key results, then there's, there's not enough granular in that for me to really break it down into smaller bite-sized pieces for two reasons. Number one, to give the group that I'm meeting with, with the rest of my leadership team, some indication of how, how much progress I'm actually making. Cause I've only got three opportunities to be done, not done. Right. And you could say, well, I'm going to try to get one done every four weeks, but that means that instead of every week, the team being informed in terms of how you're doing, they only get an update every four weeks. So that's not, you, you need more key results in order to be able to break it down into smaller bite-sized pieces for the second reason which is the smaller the piece, the more actionable it is. There's something the way our brains are wired. We can look at a task and if we can't break that task down into the next physical action, there's enough friction there to keep us from getting started. And this comes out of uh, David Allen's book, Getting Things Done. And that's why his whole system is based around the idea that you have way more projects than you think you have, because a project is anything that has two or more physical actions required. And so for him, for his, his kind of model of productivity, the core piece of it is get everything down to the next physical action. Because if I can look at the next physical action, then I know what I have to do. I can picture myself doing that. I know what needs to get done. I'm more likely to start doing it right now. So the, the middle ground, again, that we're trying to play with priorities is like, we don't want to list out all the next physical actions requiring a priority. There could be hundreds of them, but we should go to a little bit more, put a little, a little bit more work to say, well, what are at least the, the many projects that need to get done? And each one of those may have five or six or seven or eight or 10 next actions that have, but I'll worry about those when I get there. I want to be able to close my door for two or three hours a week 
and pick up one of those mini projects and try to run it through to completion if I can. And so, you know, that's, it's the art and science. Sometimes it's, you know, you find people who really struggle to set priorities. Well, it's usually because one, they don't believe in it, right? They don't believe that the process is worth their, like, I got too, I got a million things to do. This whole strategic planning BS, I, you know, we just need to get the work done. Right. <laughs> and so, so they don't believe in it. And I can't blame them for that. Like that's, we got to make the case for that. Their leader has to make the case for that. And if they're not, if they can't get on board with that, then we probably put the wrong person on the leadership team. But the other thing, you know, we can push back a little bit is say, uh, well, can we help you make this more aligned with the company's goals? And two, can we help you make it a little bit more detailed so you have a clear idea of what you're trying to accomplish? And if you have a team member that doesn't uh, resist, that they don't have any issues with being held accountable, then that's a pretty easy sell. But you can run into another situation where they're like, I just don't like to be held accountable. So I want these key results to be incredibly subjective. I want them to be very vague. I only want two or three or four of them because I like not having to update you very often and just be able to say, yep, still working on that, still working on that, still working on that. So that's the other thing. It could be somebody that struggles with the art of it, the science of it, or you could have somebody who's just completely not bought in or somebody who doesn't like to be held accountable. Yeah. So many different things that could be happening in your business um, with these quarterly priorities. So, okay. We have given you a pretty good overview of why you should do them. We've given you a really great case. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be a long podcast. (laughs) We just like to talk your ear off. Um, how do you go about setting these quarterly priorities? If you had to give a really succinct answer. Yeah. So, uh, we use the analogy crawl, walk, run. So what that means is crawl first. So crawl first, we set a quarterly priority as a group. So if we start with a brand new leadership team, we will eventually get to the point where we've kind of mastered the discipline of meeting weekly. We've started to solve some issues in the business. We've you know got a lot of the housekeeping stuff done. We're like, okay, we need to get into, you guys are ready for quarterly priorities. Um, the first thing that that we really need to understand, well, we need to make sure, check a box, is the leader, is the person who has all the authority in the business, you know, influential authority and positional authority. Like that's important though. And that's usually the business owner. Could be a general manager. If the owner's kind of in and out, the general manager is the one who's kind of running day-to-day operations. Could be, but whoever that person is, are they bought in to the necessity of us having quarterly priorities if we're going to start to execute well on a strategic plan. If they're not bought in, like we have no business going forward because we're, we're only there once a month, typically, you know, in the housekeeping period, we may, we may be on site more than once a month. But my point is we're only uh, driving or facilitating that discussion of where's everybody at on priorities once a month. Now, if you're only looking at something once a month, I can tell you it's not going to move forward. I got teams that have struggled to meet weekly, and it's no surprise that these are also the teams that have the hardest time getting their to-dos done, much less their priorities. Like you can't even get your basic to-dos done. You have no hope getting focused on priorities. So there has to be somebody of authority there who believes that this is important and is not going to let people skate in you know weekly meetings getting away with it. So if we have that, we say, great, you guys are ready for priorities. Let's set a priority for our entire group. What is the leadership team going to accomplish? And then we parse that out into individual pieces. And 
it, it could be the case that not everybody has a task or, or a project, a mini project, a key result, so to speak, that particular week to be to update. It could be that the baton changes hands. It could be that there's a couple of batons at play at any point in time. But if you got four or five or six people on the leadership team, they may not all be engaged on the priority every week. And that's fine. We're crawling. So... We, we crawl first by allowing the team to set priorities as a group, and then we walk. The next step would be the, the person who's championing those values, that general manager, that business owner. We work with that person, and we've done this. We do, I still do this quite a bit with some of the teams I'm involved with. That person works with the individuals to direct them, and here's what I think your priority should be over the next 90 days. And so you give them the priority, and then you let them come up with the key results. So they start, okay, what are the things that need to happen over the next 13 weeks for me to accomplish that priority? And then the final one is the run. So after you've learned to crawl, after you've learned to walk, then you can run, which is what do you leader believe your priority should be given our company objective? And I would say we've got, you know, maybe 20% of the teams, you know, in the crawl phase, uh, maybe 30% of the teams, 40% 40% of the teams in the walk phase and the rest are, you know, the 30% or so, 40% are in the run phase. So, it, and it all has to do with how much experience that particular team has setting priorities. Yeah. And it's not really necessarily about how long we've been with them either, because they could have just naturally be good at setting quarterly priorities. Yeah. I mean, teams that we go into that, um, I'll say this, you know, go back to culture. They're very safe teams. People don't have an issue saying like, hey man, I'm really far behind. I'm just, I know, no excuses. It's on me. I know I need to get my act together. Uh, I'm hopeful that that's going to happen soon, but I you know, need grace for a couple of weeks to get my act together. Those teams tend to get to the run phase really, really quick. It's the teams that struggle with transparency. It's the teams that struggle with being vulnerable that tend to stay in the crawl phase where we all need to do this together so that nobody, you know, because nobody's comfortable being pointed out. Yeah. So basically what Joey is saying, just get comfortable and just (laughs) start talking about your crap. That's right. (laughs) Yeah. It's all going to come out sooner or later. Right. And, and, you know, here's the thing too. If you were to go to, uh, we, if we talk to the CEOs uh, of the, of, of the teams that we work with, we would say, how many people are on the bubble on your leadership team? I mean, like on the bubble, like may not be employed here, you know, in your mind, like you're, you're still wrestling with the answer is, zero percent. Like we're talking about the leadership team. So when we go in and we challenge them, who should be on your leadership team? Nobody goes, yeah, put that person on that I'm not that sure of, right? They all want them in the company. Now, there may be some legitimate question marks around, do they have what it takes to be a great leader here? But there's not necessarily a question about, do they belong here or not? So I would say that in most cases, there's one exception I'm going to come back to, but barring this one exception, the teams that we work with, the ones that we experience, they are safe enough places for you to be honest, whether you're behind in your priorities or, or whatnot. Um, and and yet people still struggle with it because we're human beings and we have a hard time being vulnerable. So, you know, it just takes courage. And, uh, you know, if you have issues like go listen to Brene Brown books, you know, she's great at this. Right? She, she says it much more eloquently than I do. But the one exception that uh, that happens not all the time, but it's not uncommon, is you have a toxic person on the leadership team. 
And that toxic person, like they may, they, they're toxic to the leadership team. They may not be toxic to the organization. They may still have a place in the organization. Maybe, maybe not. I think generally these are people who, um, you know, they, they've been around for a really long time. They have high value to the business as operators, maybe high value as managers. But in terms of leadership, you know, they struggle because of some insecurity or, or inability to empathize with others. Um, and it usually always, in my experience, always comes back to insecurity. But these are the people who will make other people feel bad about being behind on their priority and will take advantage of an opportunity to kick somebody when they're down. And that all it takes is one person and everybody will shut down, including the business owner, right? Who has the power to get this person off the leadership team. They themselves will fudge on their priorities or sandbag or, or make things way too subjective to actually be measured as done or not done because they fear being kicked when they're down by this person. So, you know, that's your responsibility as the leader to get that person off the leadership team so that everybody can function at a higher level. Yeah. And you can go back to our No Bad Team series to oh, hear more like about that. marketing our podcast. <laughs> it's my job now, apparently. <laughs> um, all right. So we know why. We know how you have to go about setting them. So where do quarterly priorities go wrong? Uh, so, yeah, so let's talk about some of the, the things we don't like to see in quarterly priorities. So there's just kind of a laundry list. Um, Probably all of mine. List. No, no, <laughs> was, you know, where people go wrong, they don't set them. That would be me, right? But I have another business owner, client of mine who, you know, he follows my example very well. So, Joey! Yeah, I know. All right. On to enough of this transparency stuff. <laughs> all right. So where do you go wrong? Stuff that's going to happen anyway, right? So we don't like to see priorities. If you have a quarterly priority that is prepare for the industry trade show in September and like you're going to the trade show anyway, and you're not going to not prepare, right? But you just put that on your quarterly priority because that is what we would call the whirlwind activity, the day-to-day -day activity that you're most consumed with right now. And if it's going to happen anyway, like it's going to happen. There's no reason. What we're trying to do is provide a venue where you can think about what is, what extra should I be doing as a leader in this company to really drive results and accountability would help me. So just putting something on there that's going to happen anyway is not something that we can really hold you accountable to. You're going to the conference. So it will be better to say, you know, uh, what do I want to happen at the conference? And so maybe my priority is to pre-schedule 10 meetings with potential partners who are going to be at the conference. And so what do I need to do to make that happen? And it could be something as, as simple as reach out to two partners, you know, two, two potential contacts a week for the next 13 weeks and get those meetings on schedule. That's fine. I mean, I'm all for things that are, that are very, very discreet and measurable. And maybe your priority, um, it all comes down to doing one thing over and over and over again really well until that priority is completed. And the team can keep up with that. And they go, did you meet with your two this week or not? Done or not done. It's very easy. Um, the other thing that where things can go wrong is it's, it's an ongoing activity. So these are things where there's really no way for us to tell how much closer you are to the finish line. Um, or is there a finish line? How do you expect that ongoing activity to generate some kind of desired outcome? So you could say, well, you know, I need to train, train Susie on the new software. Well, 
we're going to get into that priority. And at some point I can pretty much guarantee you're, I'm going to say, so are you on track behind or is that completed? And you're going to go, well, that's just an ongoing thing. I'm just going to, I'm never going to not be done training Susie on the new software because that's, they're always releasing new features. There's always new, new things that she could be learning. So that's, and I go, well, that's a crappy key result or crappy priority if it's the priority. So instead of that, you could focus on certain target dates and certain benchmarks. So I want to train Susie in the accounts receivable module by, you know, the end of this month. I want to train her on the CRM platform by the middle of the following month. And you can say, well, she's either trained or she's not trained. And there's no, well, that's ongoing. So try to try to make sure that they're not ongoing. And then finally, uh, the area where they can go wrong is that they're, they make them too much, too subjective. And we talked about this a lot. It comes out of insecurity. You know, you don't feel safe admitting that you, 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 you fear, you fear it so much. You're not willing to even put something down on paper that could be due in the future. Right. So this is, and, and sometimes this just comes from people. Uh, some people are natural goal setters. Like they have a high achievement drive. We use the reach ecosystem, reach tool set. And so we measure uh, achievement drive. And so people with high achievement drive, they tend to be goal setters. They tend to be like from X to Y by Z. It's got to be measurable because I got to know if I've achieved it or not. And not everybody's wired that way. And so sometimes it's, it's, not, it's not through uh, a lack of safety. It's not through insecurity. It could just be that they're not good goal setters and they need to be trained in that skill set. So, you know, you could say, well, I want to expand my, my network uh, of people. I don't know. You'd be like, well, that's, I expand could be like, I got to know one person better. Oh, I expanded, right? Or I got, I added one person. So it'd be better to put some kind of parameter on that to say, how many meetings do I want to have? How am I looking for, uh, so I could have a key result that's like complete my first five meetings and then the next one, like complete the, the 10 and then complete the 15. What are you trying to, if I, am I trying to meet with 15 new referral partners during the quarter? That's basically one a week. So you could say maybe five per week and I can give my weekly update. How many have I met with so far? And the team can get an idea of, are you, because there's a big difference between getting to the end of the quarter and your goal is 15 and you got to five, right? And you can't run from that. It just is what it is. And so you got to look at your team and you got to be honest with them about the reasons you didn't. Um, or your team may look at you and be like, here's the reasons you didn't. Like, I mean, we had a team, we had so, oh, pretty much many of our teams, not all of them, but several of our teams had this hand grenade thrown into the, the mix in the fourth quarter of last year called Hurricane Ian. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't matter how many referral partner meetings you're planning on having. If those were happening in Fort Myers Beach, like you are not going to hit the goal. And that's where your team, you know, you could come and be like, man, I just didn't have my goal. And your team goes, Shannon, we're recovering from a hurricane. Like nobody expected that. Look at all the other things you've been done. And so you kind of have to trust that your team's going to have your back in the face of good data or bad data. And when they, when you come to the team and you go, no, there was no hurricane. I just didn't do it. Uh, I put down some very hard edged, very measurable things. And you guys can all see, I didn't measure up. And your team's response should not be, yeah, you're miserable. Why are you even on this leadership team, right? Your team's response should be, well, tell us about that. What did you struggle with? What did you learn in the process? Did you set an unrealistic expectation or did you set a realistic expectation and then weren't able to follow through? Um, it could get down to just time and task management. This is going to sound crazy, but I think there's a correlation between the 
the rate at which teams complete to-dos and priorities and when they meet during the week. I think our team is, uh, you can look at this two ways, but my view is that a team that meets on a Monday or Tuesday is in a better spot than a team that meets on a Thursday or Friday. Because Thursday, Friday, the week's done. There's nothing left I can do. And you might say, yeah, but, you know, they've got, you've got the weekend to kind of gear up and get themselves ready and hit the ground running on Monday. But that doesn't happen. People are focused on other things as they should be on the weekend. And so they come in Monday and they completely forget about that to do or that priority until Wednesday or Thursday. And then it's too late. Whereas a team that meets on Monday is like, yeah, I really screwed it up last week. I got to do better this week. Let me look at my calendar right now and figure out, can I get some of that done this afternoon, tomorrow, Wednesday? Um, so it could be something as simple as your time and task management practices are not helping you out mm -hmm. and your team can come alongside you and help you realize that. And that's where we see leadership teams get stronger by working through hard things together, either hard issues or individually when they fail to, to make progress on their priority. We've seen a lot of professional growth and development of the team as a whole, helping a team member deal with that. Yeah. It's so important that you have, and this just goes back to many other podcasts that we've done. Just it's so important to have a really good leadership team who is willing to keep each other accountable, but also give grace mm -hmm. and not just throw things in each other's face and um, just love on the person because you don't know what's going on in their personal life most of the time. And you don't know why, hey, yeah, I failed on this, but this is what actually happened in my life and why I just felt overwhelmed. Yeah. And obviously there's going to be times where someone fails and it's just because they failed. One quarter out of four, <laughs> life is going to get in the way for you. Per I'm just saying like, yeah. and it could be incredibly good things. It could be incredibly challenging things. You know, we had, I just had a, a high schooler graduate, right? The amount of time that took just even mental capacity during lunch breaks and stuff, you know, uh, I mean that, that ate up a lot of the energy I, I had to, to doing other stuff. And then you've got challenging times, which are 10 times worse, right? So it's, it's not just bad things. It's incredibly good things can also derail your progress. And you just, you know, I don't know if you say you get one pass, one pass a quarter, you know, one pass a year on your quarterly priorities. I've burned up probably too many of those, but <laughs> I need some extra grace. The boss gets two, maybe three. I'm That's expected to perform one quarter out of four, the rest three quarters out of four. I don't know who set these rules, but I don't like them. <laughs> um, all right. So the last part of this is going to be what this looks like in real life. What does setting these quarterly priorities look for, look like for us um, in our day-to-day -day life, because obviously we're at work. Typically we work anywhere from 40 to 50 hours a week. An average person, an entrepreneur might be working 60 to 70 hours a week, or maybe a little bit more than that. But for your leadership team, they're probably somewhere between that 40 to 50 hours. Yeah. So what do these quarterly priorities look like in real life? Well, you got to give your chance, uh, you got to give yourself a chance to succeed. And that means you got to have a little bit of margin. You don't need a ton. We're not asking for a half a day, you know, a week just to you know, work on the business, but you ought to be able to shut the door for an hour at a time, two to three times a week. So two to three hours, even better if you can get that two to three hours in one block. Um, but if your key results depend on other people, sometimes it's better, you know, collaborating with other people, sometimes it's better to have three one hour chunks than one three hour chunk. You know, so you, you know, kind of 
punt things back and forth and wait for them to get it back to you and then make sure you're, so, you know, use your calendar wisely, you know, use your calendar to help you make appointments with yourself where you're going to work on priorities. Um, you know, get, if you're the leader and you really believe that this is something that your team needs to do, then you need to give everybody permission to close that door. You need to give them permission to set those appointments with themselves. And then you be the champion in them keeping those appointments rather than what we see a lot, which is you're the reason they break a lot of those appointments. Because you look at their calendar and you're like, oh, well, Shannon's just working on her priority today. I'm going to grab her to do a podcast, right? And so... You know, there, there's something you can do with the calendar to kind of set yourself up for success. But what you should expect, let's assume that you do that. Um, I find that about a third of the team members are going to set good key results and the rest are going to need help. So if you've got six people on your leadership team, two of them, all six, let's say all six identify a great priority. But the question is, what are the smaller pieces that that's going to be broken down into so that they can accomplish it? And are they going to be um, measurable? Are they going to be good indicators of success? Are they going to be logically laid out? And only two of your six people are going to naturally be good at that. The other four are going to have to be trained in it. So, you know, that's where it's up to us. If you're, if Axiom is helping you with this, this is what our consultants are tasked with doing on a quarterly basis is, you know, I know who my two are after a little bit, you know, I may offer some comments in the spreadsheet, you know, Hey, can you give me a little bit more clarity on this? Can you push back on that? But with the other four I'm calling and I'm saying, Hey, when can we spend 45 minutes together talking about your priority and key results? And you spend that time coaching them up to build that skill set. Um, Another thing to expect, underperformers are going to set subjective key results or more subjective key results consistently. You know what I'm saying? So you continue to work with them. You continue to challenge them. At some point, they should be figuring out this skill set. And yet, it seems like they're constantly throwing things on there that are super subjective. And they just tend to be underperformers. They don't want accountability. Um, too few key results to accurately indicate progress uh, is going to be a problem for some people. Like... You should err on the side of caution. It's better to have too many key results than too few. Smaller, more smaller pieces rather than, you know, fewer large chunks. That would be the preference. Um, this one's important. No weekly check-in equals no progress. So if you're not discussing priorities in as part of the agenda item in your weekly leadership team meeting, it's likely that you're not going to have progress. You'll have a couple people that, you know, are high achievers, uh, highly driven and they're going to continue to work on their priorities, but even they will get sucked into more urgent things and they need the leader to bring them back and say, okay, guys, how are we doing on our priorities? These are important. And if you do that every week, you'll typically make more progress. About halfway through the quarter, you need to pull back and, and recheck. So, you know, if six weeks, if the 13 week um, plan for a 90 day priority, about six weeks in, take a time out. Maybe if you're doing your weekly leadership team meeting, you take one of those meetings about six weeks in, you say, we're not going to discuss any other issues today. We're just going to focus on priorities and give everybody a chance to pull back and reset if needed, because things will get off track. The, and the things often get off track. I'll say this too. Things often get off track for very good reasons. When we start working on a priority and we map out those first six, seven, eight key results that we're pursuing, a lot of times we'll get three or four in and we'll discover we had the wrong key results. 
I was guessing at what the path was going to look like. Now I have, after four or five weeks, I have a much clearer picture of what I need to get done the rest of the quarter. So providing that six-week kind of pullback can help out. And then finally, at the end of every quarter, you need to take stock of how you did. And we call this the after-action review. So again, those quarterly meetings, you need to, one of the reasons that you should set aside what I was saying earlier, like as much as a half a day, is because you could easily spend an hour just giving six or seven, maybe five team members an opportunity to go back and share with the team, here was my priority, here's how I did, here's where I went, here's here's what I did right that, I, that I'm glad went well this time, here's what I need to fix so that I don't go off track next time. And so that after action review and being honest, being brutally honest in the after action review. And if you're the leader, it's your job to make sure that people have a safe place to be honest. So that means if you're the leader, you go first and you get brutally honest and like brutal as in it literally pains you (laughs) to share with your team how much you failed, right? Or if you succeeded, um, it's almost a guarantee what I've seen with leaders who are, who knock it out of the park with their priority. There's somebody else on the leadership team or possibly uh, the financial person because a lot of the leaders uh, priorities can tend to revolve around um, financial priorities or, or back office bookkeeping or reclassification or new systems that they're trying to roll out. And so that what my point is, if they knock it out of the park, it's usually because somebody else was really instrumental in doing a lot of the work with or even for them. And so if you're the leader and you've had, you know, miserable success like me, be painfully honest about your inability to, to set a good example. Um, but if you've been able to knock it out of the park, take the opportunity to shine the spotlight on somebody else and make sure that the team doesn't think that you're, you know, walk on water leader. You're the only one who could ever get priorities done because you're so awesome. Like, no, no, like, I didn't do this. So-and-so did this. Let me tell you how they did it. Let me tell you what we learned that was really, really good. Let me tell you what we're going to do different next time to make it even better. Um, So go first, create the safe environment by being transparent yourself. Yeah. And now this, um, I think Joey doesn't give himself enough credit for all the things that he does do (laughs) at Axiom. He's not good at priorities. (laughs) You aren't good at priorities this quarter. I mean, obviously I haven't been here for the last five years. So maybe I should ask Devin. Yeah. Give, well, give me I the think there was one priority that lasted about a year and a half. So oh. yeah, I have a long history of underperforming on priorities, but I have a very good team who exceeds their expectations. So that's good. So, you know, maybe you have to be a leader like Joey and you need to find team members who. Yeah. People smarter than you, better looking than you, more hair than you, all those things. That's the only reason I was <laughs> hired. Secrets to, to more hair. Right. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I think that this is really actionable and I'm excited to um, end this quarter and go into a new quarter in July and hit the ground running um, with our priorities. And like with our priorities, even with my priorities, I feel like I I mean, I'm definitely behind on a couple of them um, as I've been kind of taking the training wheels off and trying to ride the bike and looking behind me and like, Help! I don't want to hit the wall. Uh, but I kind of understand a little bit better about what those priorities should look like. So I am excited to go into this next quarter and I'm going to make all of us keep you accountable as well, Joey. Awesome. That would be fantastic. To put some, maybe not. (laughs) You think (laughs) to put some 
parties in place. And I may regret this podcast for a long, long time. You'll have two new team members to help keep you accountable as well. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us today on this podcast. We are excited to talk to you again next week. And please be sure to um, subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify or iTunes and check out our blog as well. And we will talk to you again soon.